Hi everyone, I'm Asma, and I'm happy to welcome you to the PwC Workforce podcast series on remote cross-border working, the tax and legal challenges. This podcast is part of a series tackling key issues organizations are facing today on their most important assets, their workforce. We all know and can sense that remote working, which accelerated abruptly by COVID-19 out of sheer necessity, is here to stay after pandemic. Yes, the future of cross-border working will have a new and virtual dimension. As is often the case, a new and somewhat uncharted dimension also comes with new potential exposures and compliance obligations for companies and their employees. The question is therefore, are there any risks associated with enabling Belgian employees to work from another country. Today, I will be joined by two of my colleagues who will shed light on the concept of cross-border remote working, Nick Boydens and Nadia Deby, who joins us from PwC Legal. Let's start with a general question. For the purpose of clarity, Nick, could you explain the concept of remote cross-border working? Yes, Arma. Uh, remote cross-border working is not new as such, but it is a hot topic given the current pandemic situation. It could be defined as a situation whereby an employee is working from another country than where the employer is located. And that could be a choice or it could be due to unforeseen circumstances. It could be for a short period of time or it could be permanent. As a result, companies nowadays have to deal with a dual workforce a group physically on site, or at least in the same country, and a group that is working elsewhere. Let me give you some examples to illustrate when we talk about remote cross-border working. For instance, an individual who is displaced working from a location that is not his or her employing location. For instance, I cannot return from a trip because of a travel ban. Or an individual who is working after or before his or her holiday in another location. I go on vacation to Italy and I want to spend some additional time to enjoy the Italian Dolce Vita. Individuals taking a virtual assignment, carrying out a role for an entity in another location from the country in which they are living or working. For instance, I am living in Belgium, but I am working out of Belgium on a project which is French-based. Or an individual employed by an entity in one location, carrying out a role for that entity, but who is living and working permanently and full-time in another location, potentially combined with some business trips to the employing entity's location. For instance, I'm hired by a Dutch entity, but I live and work in Belgium and sometimes go to the Netherlands. And there are many more. As you see, remote cross-border working is different from the traditional cross-border work in the sense that within the more traditional global mobility concepts, the cross-border aspect was triggered by the need to be physically present elsewhere, to do your job. When we talk about remote cross-border working, it is more that your job follows where you are. As Nick indicated, is that such not a completely new concept or phenomenon, but I guess the pandemic has questioned the conventional wisdom that offices were critical to productivity, culture, and winning the war for talent, and that a person needs to be where his job is. Even if, and maybe 
even because the pandemic has clearly limited our freedom to move and obliged us to work from home, we cannot deny that employees and employers are seeing the benefits of partially working from home, wherever that home may be. Okay, thank you. It is clear that remote working could serve to the benefit of both the employer and the employee. But Nick, are there specific points of attention related to working remotely from another territory? Yes, they are, Asma. Aren't they always, basically? Uh, where a personal benefit arises, one should always be cautious about potential risks or formalities to be addressed. In the field of global mobility, the first that pops up to mind are the social security and income tax implications that could result from the time spent by an employee working in a country other than where the employer is based, possibly triggering income tax, withholding obligations and social security formalities in the host location. It could also expose the employing entity to the creation of a corporate taxable presence for an establishment in another jurisdiction. There may be immigration requirements and local labor law and salary conditions may require an employer to make changes to current contracts. As a result, employers should consider creating or reviewing policies to manage such new obligations, but also who will bear any additional cost, what tax compliance assistance will be provided to the individuals, what income, what impact will there be on their remuneration, and what about the business travel expense reimbursement? A question we often receive nowadays from companies is, do we need to create or adapt our policy for remote cross-border workers? Given the current state of affairs, that could for sure be useful. In this respect, one should bear in mind, though, that remote cross-border work arrangements are much broader than traditional mobility programs. It can also be an alternative to them. Companies implementing a remote cross-border work policy can define what remote means by tailoring it to their specific needs and business. Companies could clarify specific criteria, including duration as well as location, such as within a certain time zone, or where a physical business location is available. In addition, one should look at roles and responsibilities. Who can really work remotely from another country? So if I understand correctly, what you mean is that there is not one solution and that rather a case-by-case -case analysis would be needed. So my question to you is, are there again here some specific points of attention to take into consideration? Nadia, could you expand on this? Yes, and indeed, Asma, I don't believe that there is a one-size-fits-all remote cross-border worker policy that you can put in place but that it really requires an upfront effort to get a tailored fit that could yield a win-win situation for both the company and its talent base. And as Nicole has already pointed out, when creating such a remote cross-border workers policy, it is important to start with some building blocks and take it from there. So what is the reason that people can work remotely from another country? Because it is, as we stated before, it is not driven by where you need to physically work, but it is the job follows where you are. So is it able to tap into a new talent pool or is it rather to give more flexibility to a current workforce or due to requests from the business? 
you might have a different risk appetite from a company depending on uh, the reason why you want to have a remote cross-border workers policy. And what are the consequences then thereof? And do we want to limit this? For example, it is not allowed if it creates a permanent establishment or there is uh, a necessity to run a payroll and there are a lot of registration requirements if it is only to give more flexibility to employees. How can we ensure that we meet our employer responsibilities such as health and welfare? And what is the reward package we want or need to give? As remuneration is often benchmarked based on market rates in the country of employment, an individual could find him or herself being paid a far higher or lower uh, remuneration than local staff. Similarly, they may not be paid enough to meet immigration minimum salaries or within Europe meet the equal pay requirements. And even typical benefits packages in your company may not be economical or even applicable to people working uh, remotely. Just take meal vouchers or hospitalization insurance as an example. Thank you. That's really clear. Um, to illustrate what you both just have explained, what if an employee of a Belgian company has planned a holiday to France, for example, for three weeks and would like to work for his Belgian employer from an apartment that he's renting on the nice French Riviera? Is this possible or are there any implications for the employer and or for the employee? As long as it remains a temporary situation and for a short period of time, this would be possible without any major complications. Staying sporadically in another territory will rarely result in a change in taxation rights or social security coverage. The question is, of course, what falls under sporadically? There is no generally accepted definition as it will vary depending on domestic legislation. Even sporadically staying in another country, even as close as France, can bring attention points with it, but more from a practical point of view. Indeed, you need to make sure there is a coverage for accidents at work, that you have a document proving that a person remains subject to Belgian social security and have checked French notification requirements. It is worthwhile checking if the person has a European health insurance card, which could cover the necessary urgent medical care in France, but also hospitalization insurance, car policy and insurance if they take their company car along with them to France. Okay, clear. And would there be a difference if the employee decides to buy this apartment and live the, there sorry, during eight months per year, for example? Yes, the situation will of course change as the duration of the stay is increasing. The attention points shift from mere practical points to substantial formalities and risks. As such, if the employer and employee agree to continue home working from abroad, the social security position should be considered. And in this case, there will be a shift from social security legislation from Belgium to France. And in this regard, a company may be required to register with social security authorities, set up a shadow payroll and related, uh, make the necessary related social security declarations. Furthermore, specific rules relating to working from home may apply, including with respect to health and safety and data protection. 
And when it is eight months a year, this may well become the country of usual employment, whereby the employee may not be deprived of salary and working conditions that would be more favorable for him or her under the French legislation. If the legislation in France is more beneficial than the Belgian law, these more beneficial rules will be applicable even if the choice is made to apply Belgian law in the contract. Yes, and also from an income tax perspective, an extended stay in another country than the usual residency state would trigger corporate income tax liabilities, a personal income tax liability, and local payroll and tax returns formalities to adhere to. Furthermore, it is impossible to predict whether this unexpected liability will turn out to be an opportunity or a risk. Indeed, the overall tax burden in both the residency and work state could increase or decrease. And then the inevitable question will be not show me the money, but rather be who will have to show or collect the money. <laughs> well, thank you, Nadia and Nick, for this very clear explanation. I understand that although it is very tempting to work remotely from sunny retreat, both the employee and the employer should be conscious about the requirements and implications this remote working entails. Since organization moves to virtual working and can offer employees the benefits of its flexibility, no flexibility can be adapted to the risks and pitfalls of the remote working implications. Thanks again, Nadia and Nick. Thanks everyone for listening. You can find all podcast episodes on our website or on the different platforms. Stay tuned for the next edition. Thank you.